God, we invite you here. We need you. We lift up your name. Come and be with us. As we open your word, we do it with an open heart. We want to hear from heaven. Holy Spirit, speak. Your people are listening. We do not want to stay the same. We want to be everything we're called to be in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're standing, can we welcome those watching online and particularly the men of Lansing Correctional. We love you guys so much. We're in the works right now, Lansing, on the maximum side. To, as a church, we're going to pay for and renovate your chapel and make it another level up from what it is. It's pretty exciting. Say hi to your neighbor. Grab your seat. We kick off a new series today. It's on relationships, but we're going to start in a route that you probably, probably haven't heard before. Not that you haven't heard the content before, but maybe not in the context of relationships. We call this series Covenant Relationships. Yes, we'll have practical advice on your marriage, the raising of your kids, your, your relationship with each other, your friendships. But we start with this relationship with God, this covenant that we have through Christ. If we want to have thriving relationships, if your marriage is going to prosper, and the raising of your kids, your interaction with your family of origin, your siblings, your, your co-workers, it all comes from a starting place with Christ. What do we have through Christ with our God, access granted to this covenant relationship? Today, I want to speak about the cornerstone connection. That if Jesus isn't at the center, if God isn't the foundation, if he isn't first, it doesn't matter how savvy you are, how sacrificial you are, how, how, how much you serve, how kind you are, your relationships, when they grow, they will begin to get out of alignment because it's only through him, by him, and because of him that we even have what we need in him to be who we're called to be, to truly love the people that are, that are around us. There's a cornerstone, a connection with Christ needed first and foremost. Before you can build a great marriage, you gotta have a covenant connection with Christ. Before you can thrive in your friendships and the raising of your kids, it starts from a place of knowing who you are as a son and daughter of God. Because having all of God, which is what you have in Christ, that's the covenant that we have in Christ. Having all of God is already enough. From that place of already enough, then I actually have something of significance to give, and I don't even need it back because he is my portion. He is my overflow. He's already got me in here, so I, I, everything that he gives me out there is benefit and blessing and extra because he's all that I need. Amen? Amen. As we open up our Bibles, got your Bible with you? Wave your Bible at me. Come on, wave your Bible in the air like you just don't care. Come on, how many Bible? Your phone almost counts, Doc. That's great. Bring your Bibles to church. I don't know. I just like it. I like being able to write down in it. I want you to be reading. You do audio Bible, you do digital Bible. That's all good. That's great. Um, science would tell you that uh, you're not getting as much as if when you just sit down and read in your Bible. Why? Because you're getting distracted. And I just love, some of you, maybe you just leave your Bible in your car and just bring it here to show off. God will do a work in you, don't worry. As we open up our Bibles, I pray that you have an open heart to hear what God wants to say to you. Covenant's kind of, honestly, as we talk about covenant today, it's kind of complex. Uh, I went way, 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 way long in the 9 a.m., um, but they all thanked me. I mean, it was a round of applause afterwards, just kidding. And so I'll cut it a little quicker here. If not, we'll do it in two weeks. Is that cool? Psalms 105, verse 8. 
He, He being God, remembers His covenant forever. He remembers His covenant forever. What does God forget? On the new covenant, it says that He forgets our sins, that they get washed away as far as the east is from the west. That so far, he, he, but He doesn't forget His promise, His connection, His commitment, His covenant with us. The promise that He's made. It says, for a thousand generations. That means a generation thousand and one that he forgot? No, not at all. It's just literally the psalmist is saying, this is a forever God who has a forever connection with you. Covenant is about position and promise. In the ancient world, covenants are much more deep and connected and committed than what we would have. The closest thing we could think about is maybe a contract. You fill your side of the obligation, I fulfill mine. If we break that, then the contract is voided, the relationship is canceled. But covenant is so much deeper than that. It implies that we are sharing a, a common goal and we are fully committed to it, more than just a paper that we sign on. There would be a symbol, a sacrifice. There would be something of cost, something of intimacy that would be expressed between the two parties that would seal a covenant much deeper than just a contract. Now, covenant's not a word we hear a lot. We hear it a little bit in church. Really, the only place we hear it is at like Christian weddings, right? We talk about covenant. That's a great representation. In fact, we know that Jesus is returning for the church. He calls it a bride. And so if God wants a way to describe the best of his ability, his relationship with us is like, this is like me saying yes to you, my I do to you for all for all time. But covenant is really one of the most vital words in our faith. I know you're expecting me to pray, but I already prayed, so we're good. I pray without ceasing, so thank you so much, Chris, for making me sound more spiritual than I really am. <laughs> it's one of the most vital words in our, in our faith. And I think, listen, I think it's definitely the most important word in your relationships. Well, well love, God is love. love, love is very important. But we don't know love until we are loved, right? He first loved us. He went, he went first. At the cross, Calvary's cross, he already said yes to, to, to covenant with us. He already went, went first. And he signed with his nail-scarred hands. And he spilled his blood to make a covenant connection with, with you and I. And so while it might be wipe me a little bit more complex than our modern Western way of thinking, uh, the truth is relationships are complex, are they not? How I many know Facebook said it's complicated? <laughs> and even our good relationships, more often than not, are, are complicated. My relationship with Liz, come on, that's, that's my covenant girl. We're all in for all time. And we are as drastically different as two people could be. There's really nothing about us that is similar except our, our love for each other, our children, more often than not, love for the church, and a last name. Like everything else, worlds apart. Opposites attract, they say, right? She is a, a mm, organizationally strong. She is neat. She is in order. She's about as ordered as God. I am more organizationally creative. She has a place for everything. I think everything is a place where I can put something. <laughs> we're, we're different. She's an outward processor. 
She thinks through things. She talks through things. There's a lot of, there's a lot of conversation happening. It's turned me into a good listener and a really good head nodder. I'm an active listener. Yes, I am. I am an inward processor. I know I talk a lot up here, but I, I hold really true to that scripture, totally out of context, that I take every thought captive. I hold it in, and I squeeze everything out of it. And then I might express a feeling, maybe, about what I've been thinking, thinking through. It's like puzzle pieces. There's parts that are cut out and parts that are incomplete, but when they come together, when they get united, they, they form something whole. That's why opposites bring things together. I love the opposites. You're attracted to opposites. I ultimately believe God designed us that way, not only because we're inquisitive about people that are different than us, but ultimately through the glory of God working through your marriage is that two different types of people living in unity together can better glorify and reach a broader spectrum of people. This is why God designed us this way. This is why it is the body of Christ fitly joined together. Not every part is the same, but they all are significant because in our differences in unity, they create something beautiful to the world around us. So this word covenant, um, this, this word that we see, it's a solemn and binding arrangement between two, two parties. It, it means there's responsibilities, um, there's benefits, there's blessing, and there's even penalties depending on the covenant that we might be studying. And so as we're seeing that the opposites come together to create this, this place of unity, they're also, when the puzzle pieces don't align, there's conflict there. And so if, if you wanna know the, the heart of this message today, is that you by yourself as an individual little piece of the puzzle of all of humanity, if you know who you really are in Christ and what you already have in God's great love for you, then you're already fulfilled. So I don't need them to like me in order to know that I am loved. So I can be my authentic self, and I can bless them without a passive-aggressive way of getting something back. I can give out of the overflow of God's love in my life. I'm not needing them to fulfill me. And yet it doesn't mean that marriage isn't fulfilling. I mean, think about it in the Garden of Eden. It was perfect. Sin hadn't crept into the world yet. It was a place of perfect unity. And yet God says, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. He calls us into relationship, but ultimately at the foundation, there is this cornerstone called Christ. And when you know who you really are in Christ, what he's already done for you, all that God has for you, then you are complete already. And it doesn't mean the dating relationship will fulfill or your spouse will be the one that picks you up. Yes, we could be blessings to one another, but the truth is when you already know who you are, and we already know what he's done for you, and you already know what he has in store for you, you can actually live your life poured out for others because you don't need them to fill you up. And so if you want good, a good marriage, if you want to raise great kids, if you want to have health in your dynamics and engagement with your siblings and your parental units, and you want to have a good work-life connection with people, it starts with this, this place of covenant that you already, you already have. See, my marriage to Liz isn't based on a feeling. It's based on a covenant. It's based on a commitment. My feelings sometimes might go up, it might sometimes go down. I might be having a bad day, and she might be having a difficult day. Uh, we might have an issue that we're trying to work through, but even if I'm not feeling it, 
Come on, you've all walked around your house, been in the house with your spouse the whole day and not made eye contact once. It happens to all of you, not me. We're very, very spiritually strong. No, it happens to all of us. So even when I'm not feeling it, it's okay. I could still live, I could still live full. I can still live connected to the love that knows no end. And God is a covenant-keeping and covenant-making God. The reason this matters is because it helps us to understand that the Bible is not some random collection of laws. The Old Testament is just all these moral principles and these crazy, miraculous stories. No, it's this invitation to understand who God is, how he works, and not just how we fit in. No, how he wants to fulfill us. How he's already gone first in saying yes to us. So it's, it's more than just stories, and it's more than just moral code to abide by. It shows us how God operates, what he thinks, what he values, what he dislikes, what he loves, and ultimately that we are his prized possession. And when you start living your life with a covenant understanding that you are God's prized possession, that according to the Bible, it says that Jesus would have gone to the cross for just you. From that place of you are God's high priority, the Bible would say the apple of his eye, the, the, the uh, attention and, and the centerpiece of his affection. When you start living your life from that place of covenant connection, it cancels off all the thirst, all the desire, all of the need for acceptance, and then you in your authentic self, still imperfect because we're being refined in our character then you're actually able to really love and to really thrive in the full spectrum of relationships. The Bible tells us the story of God's covenants, that there are, there are the more than one. And it's a story that goes somewhere. It's a story that points to redemption. It's a story of the God's kingdom. It's a story that lasts forever. And it advances through Old Testament into this New Testament with these covenant connections that he makes with his, with his people. Now, back in the ancient times, um, they, they, they would normally sign or seal this thing, I said like earlier, in an intimate way, but normally with a, with a blood sacrifice. There would be some sort of blood connection because this is more than just a contract. This, this is flesh and blood. This is I'm all in. This is, this is covenant. In fact, the literal translation of the Hebrew word for covenant means to pass between a sacrifice. We see the naming of that when Abraham makes his kind of covenant. God had spoken a promise to him. God had called Abram out of Ur, the Chaldeans, called him to go back west to a place that he would show, and he kept saying to him, broadcasting to him, God's promised him, said, hey, I'm going to make you a father of many. You're a father of many nations, not just one tribe, not just one people. I'm looking for a man of faith to follow me, and here's what's going to happen. If you follow me, I'm going to make you a father. But, but, but for years, the promise goes unfulfilled. And so Abraham, actually, he brings together this, this covenant-like thing that he would have known and seen in operation in his day and age. And he sacrifices these animals, and he places them apart from each other, split down the two. And he has this deep sleep, and he has a vision, and, but God shows up, and it's, a, it's like a flaming torch. It's like a smoking oven that God's presence shows up, and it goes between the sacrifice. Okay, this might be losing some of you, but what I want you to get out of that is that anytime we choose to live sacrificially for God, God shows up in the middle. That if you want more of the presence and the power of God, live your life sacrificially, and God shows up in the middle. But that's literally what the word means, to pass between a sacrifice. In Genesis chapter 17, this won't show up on the screen because I just added it. It says, as for me, this is my covenant with you. God speaking to Abram, you will be a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. 
For your name today, from now on, with this new covenant, your name is Abraham. For I've made you a father of many nations. Covenant, understanding, and connection with God. Listen, it changes your identity. It changes your identity. It makes you to who you were always called to be in Christ. And speaking of Jesus, he's the one that brings in his sacrifice, this new covenant. This new covenant, this, this, this covenant that not only like makes, not that the old is all of it's all voided out, it's just fulfilled in Christ. And now it is open to everyone, not one group of people, but to all people. Luke chapter 22, verse 20, Jesus at the Last Supper. He says, in the same way, after the supper, Jesus took the cup and said, that's why we, the ritual and reminder of, uh, of communion is so important. It's a reminder of who we are in Christ, the covenant that we have. He says, cup of the new covenant is my blood that's poured out for you. And then we know that he goes to the cross will, willingly and shed his blood for us. And this is the picture of a covenant. And so like we enter into Marriage, what, what do you do before the courthouse or the pastor, the priest? You, you, you make some vows. You say, hey, I promise, I commit, I vow that you're my one and only till death do us part, right? You know, I swear by the sun and the moon and the stars, I'll be there. Come on, if you didn't like R&B in the 90s, you need to educate yourself. So there's this ceremony of making of vows, and then it's solidified by this mutual surrender and service. But I want you to see that God didn't just give you a promise. God has made you his partner. God hasn't just given you a promise. One day I'll be good to you. One day you'll have salvation. One day you'll have eternity. One day it'll be good. No, God says, no, I'm inviting you in to a relationship with me as we are in partnership together. I was trying to explain to my kids, uh, this is a while back, my older kids, like, why Jesus had to die. Could God not just forgive from a distance? Could God not just forgive a different way? And yes and no, okay, before you, you stone me up here, let me say, God could do what God wants to do, but because God's perfection and the kind of relationship he wanted with sons and daughters. For him to be, call you a son, not a slave, a daughter, someone that he designed, he created, and he loved as the object of his affection for all of eternity. For him to have you that close to him, with our imperfections, he had to make an agreement, a covenant that would cover over and cancel out all of the chaos and the cancer of our sins. Because of how close he wanted to be with you, he spilled the blood of his own son. I know this is deep and this is powerful, but I think this will change your relationships. Let me make it a little easier to understand. Uh, we have a white couch in our house, in our living room. It's a horrible decision. We have a three, almost four-year-old. We have a nine, almost 10-year-old, and we have a 12-year-old. And we have two dogs, none of which are ever clean. Somehow, some way, it could be dry outside, there's still mud. They could not have eaten for three hours, there's still chocolate on their hands. The couch is not white anymore, it's calico, okay? And, but we love it, because it's our centerpiece of our connection. It's our place where we watch shows together, we hang out together, we, we, we start our day there, our kids do their little morning devos there. Like, that's, a, that's the centerpiece of our family 
connection. And yet it's imperfect. Why? Because they're imperfect and so am I. And so there's always food on it. There's always mistakes on it, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Why? Because it's a place where we connect. I could take that couch. I could stick it in the attic. I could cover it like your grandma had, one of those plastic vinyl things. But I'll, I want to actually use it. The same way God wants to experience us, wants to be that close to us, wants to be that committed, that connected, do life with us. And so for us in all of our issues, in all of our hangups, in all of us who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, for God to stay in that place of glory. If you weren't here last week, you should watch the message and still be connected with us in all of our junk. He had to make a way for it to be good. And so he doesn't just forgive us. He's our father and he's brought us into his family and he doesn't just make promises to us. He's made us partners. He's not a silent partner. He's a speaking partner. He's not the side, he's the center. He's the leading one in this situation. He's speaking, he's correcting, and he's covering. And we're really not equal in partnership. He went first, and he went all in. He gave his very best once and for all so that all of us could be in this covenant connection. By the way, it says even if we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. He stays the course even when we veer off. So the fact that Jesus says this is a new covenant speaks to the fact that there were old covenants. And the easiest way I think you could break down your Bible between New Testament and Old is the old covenant connections and this new covenant in Christ. The old covenant shows how God revealed himself, how he thinks, how he operates, what he loves, what he values, what he disdains, what he doesn't want in our life, how his people would live differently, how his people would act differently. And yet they would still have to make a sacrifice to atone for their sins. And it wasn't the actual shedding of blood. It was their faith in that sacrifice and that surrender that God counted it as righteousness or right standing with God for them. Everyone tracking. And yet we have this new covenant where the sacrifice has been made once and for all. We no longer have to spill the blood of sheep and goats. Jesus is the son of God's precious blood was spilled for us. So we are brought in just as we are. But in this relationship of covenant, once more we understand it, and the more we value it, the more it changes us. So the old shows us how God is, how he reveals himself, what he values. And this new one shows us that we've been brought in as sons and sons and daughters. And so I know when understanding Old Testament and New I mean, the Old Testament, New Testament itself is 2,000 years old. We got a chronological gap in understanding. We got an Eastern mindset, Western mindset uh, gap as well. There's a cultural gap, but there's also a covenant gap. If we don't fully understand the value God has placed on us and the fullness of what we've been invited into, and until you dig deeper into what God has already done for you in Christ and make it the cornerstone of your life, your relationships will never be as good as they can be because you will still be wanting something from them that only God can satisfy that place in your soul. That was worthy of another amen. Just because I didn't yell it doesn't mean it isn't worth an amen. So Old Testament, they lived different. They ate different. They cleaned different. They worshiped different. New Testament, same way. We're in this world. We're not of this world. We live different. We are different, why? So we can make a difference. We've been called out of darkness and into, into light. Sometimes we don't understand our God from a, from a cultural standpoint uh, without needing this more of the framework of, of his covenant. 
And we know the Old Testament's got a lot of covenant. Noah had a covenant. It's in Genesis 9. There's an Abrahamic covenant. We talked a little bit about Genesis 12 and 15. The Mosaic covenant, the way to live and be in his people and to follow him is Exodus 19, Exodus 24. The Davidic covenant, 2 Samuel 7, is awesome. It says that one day through King David's lineage and genealogy, there would be a one true king, the Messiah. And that points us to this, this new covenant. And it is unpacked through the entirety of the whole Testament. What does it really mean for us. If you want deeper diving on that for your own study time, go into the book of Hebrews and dig in and just read through the book of Hebrews. It will share with you what Jesus has already done for you. And some of you that grew up in a mindset of I have to perform in order for God to provide. I have to live at a certain level in order for him to actually love me. Whether that was was taught in your Sunday school and your upbringing or that was what was modeled in your home, what you'll find in Hebrews that is not the case. He has already said yes with arms stretched on the cross to receive you just as you are. And when you embrace him, even in your mess, his righteousness and his goodness becomes yours. And from that place, he changes us and grows us. And yes, we need to grow our character and we need to grow in our faithfulness. We need to grow in our obedience and sacrifice. But it starts from a place that we've already received it all. And from that place that he's already enough and loves me just as I am, my response to his goodness is to give him my whole life. In view of the mercies of God, the Bible would say, I, I, I live my life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto him. Jeremiah 31, there's an Old Testament prophecy, proclamation about this covenant that would come in Christ. It says this, and starting in verse 31, the days are coming, announces the Lord, which I love, because for, for thousands of years, they were waiting, they were waiting, they were waiting. But guys, from 2,000 years to now, go to now, we have it. What a, what a privilege it is to be alive on the earth in this season. The days are coming, announces the Lord, that I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel. I will also make it with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their people long ago. That was when I took them by the hand and I led them out of Egypt but they broke my covenant. They did it even though I was like a, a husband to them, announces the Lord. And this is the covenant I will make with Israel after that time, announces the Lord. I will put my, my law in their minds and I'll write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. He's going from rules and regulations to changing the way we think and changing the desires of our heart. He's going from a, a proclaimed, this is what you do, to a personal, I'm the God that's with you. Oh, in Pentecost, we have the filling of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment where heaven invades earth, and God's not at a distance, and God's not in a temple, and God's not behind the veil. He's on the inside of us. Even with all our imperfections and all of our issues and hangups that we're still trying to grow and mature as disciples to get through, he's still in us. And when you have him, you have everything. And from that place of everything, then you actually have something to give to the people around you that you love with no strings attached. This is why this has to be our cornerstone connection and the foundation of fruitful relationships in your life. He's not writing the rules on paper. This is personal. He's here to change your mind and change your heart and change your life. Jesus, on the night of the Last Supper, before he offers himself up on the cross, he says that this death is the inauguration of this, this new covenant. It doesn't mean we dismiss the old. We can learn from so much of the old. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all the word, all the scripture, 
It's useful, it's beneficial for teaching, for training, for correcting, for, for changing you, teaching you the ways of righteousness, being in right standing with God. In Acts 10, we see that, that Peter is still in a tension between the old and the new. Peter, obviously, has seen the risen Savior. Jesus restored him personally, even when he made a mistake. He, he touched his heart and changed his mind. And now he's living as this apostle sent out to the world to share the goodness of Jesus. And yet he has this tension. Because what about the outsiders? What about the Gentiles? What about people the majority would be you and me? And, and God gives him this vision. I won't read it for time's sake. And he, he kind of drops down all the things that they weren't supposed to eat. We could call this the the things that would keep him clean according to the old covenant. These are the kosher rules and laws, all these animals that he could not eat. By the way, lobster's in there, hello. Praise the Lord for a new covenant. Can you relax in church for a moment? How about swine, pig, pork, hello, burn ends. Thank you, Jesus. So shallow, get over it. And, and he says, hey, get up, kill, and eat. And he says, no, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. Nice try, God. I saw what you're doing there. That's not for me. I'm a Jew. He says, no, no, no. What I call, listen, what I call clean, you can't call unclean. What I call in, you can't say is out. What I have decided to show my affection and my grace towards, you don't get to set the limits on. And so from there, he goes to Cornelius' house, and by that time and moment, the gospel begins to reach the Gentiles. We know the Apostle Paul takes it even further than that. And so we live in this balance between, okay, is it rules and regulations or is it relationship? And I will tell you, if you want your relationships to thrive, you don't hold rules and regulations to everybody. You go all in on giving all that you have to the people that you love, but you only have something to give when Christ is the cornerstone and you're living in the realities of this new covenant. So we get in on the new. In Acts chapter 15, they say, okay, let's let the standards be as low as possible for people to proclaim Christ, for the outsiders to get in. They don't need to be circumcised. They don't need to follow these dietary restrictions. Let's just throw a big couple few out there. How about uh, food sacrificed to idols with the blood in it? We're, we're not going to eat that. It's a, it, it was just a tension point. So there's a dietary restriction on that, but it's just because you choose to do it. Apostle Paul would take it deeper and say, hey, if you want to, you can, but it's about your own conscience. You decide for yourself, is it really worth it? And sexual morality, that's a big one. By the way, still a big one to God. He says, hey, that, that's not for you. Let, let's get rid of that. That's the way the pagans live. That's not the way the people that are brought close to Jesus live. And so what we understand here is that if we're still living rules and regulations, checks and boxes, we're missing out of the depth of relationship that God wants to give us. In fact, he already has given us access to it in Christ. And from that place, if you're taking notes, we understand not only has God made us partners, we participate as sons and daughters. The covenant gives us confidence. The covenant gives us confidence that we are not saved by our works. And there's nothing that we could do that could win more of the affection of God. We already have it. In fact, we've had it made available to us for 2,000 years. See, Abraham, he made this covenant, and, and God asked, and he obeyed. The Bible says that it was counted unto him as, as righteousness. It was the faith in God, not the sacrifice itself. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that the sacrifice has already been established. Sacrifice has already 
been, God has already played his hand fully for everyone at the table to see. Therefore, brothers and sisters, starting in verse 19, since we have this confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Think, just think about that. You can walk in. Did we look at that last week? That, that Moses couldn't see God but the vapor trail of God because it was too glorious and even the vapor trail of God made him to illuminate like Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. He came down the mountain. People were like, whoa, 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 that's too much. And here we say that therefore we have this confidence to enter the most holy place. Perfect God, imperfect us. How do we have it? Through the blood of Jesus, through the covenant that he's given us by a new and living way open to us. The curtain that used to keep the presence of God and the holies of holies away from everyone else, that has been torn through, and that was his body. As his body was torn apart, so was the barrier between heaven and earth. So therefore, let us draw near to God with sincere heart and full assurance, full confidence that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled and, and cleansed from a guilty conscience, having our bodies all the impurities of our life and our decisions cleaned with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly. Don't lose your confidence. Hold on to it without, without drifting to the hope that we profess. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. He's already been faithful. He already keeps his promises and he always will. And then from there, he says, now we consider, now it's to the church here, written to the, uh, the author of Hebrews, writes it to the church, says, hey, you and I, let's consider, let's think about, let's plan how we can spur each other on, like towards love and good deeds, towards changing the world around us, not giving up meeting together, which obviously you are not doing. You're here at the 11. Some are in the habit of doing, but we're encouraging whether all the more, as we see that D, capital D day approaching. In other words, from this day to the day of Jesus' return, we're to get together knowing that we're already accepted in the relationship that's in the church is where we practice our covenant relationships too. That we're so for God, and we know that we've been so forgiven by God that we're just thinking about ways that we can change the world. Ways that we can spur each other on to more love and more good deeds and more sacrifice and more surrender and more living out the fruit of the Spirit in the way that we live and the way that we love. And from there, if we would do that, we would change the world because the world is looking for more. There's so many, believer, or so many people not believers Critics even of the church who just think it's rules and regulations. Yes, there is a way to live. In fact, the New Testament, the New Covenant is filled, not just suggestions, with commandments. But most of them are focused on love one another as you've been loved. Most of them are focused on, hey, that's, that's not God's best for you. There's better for you than that. It's not a bunch of rules and dietary restrictions anymore that set us apart. We've been set apart by this gift of righteousness that we have in this new covenant. And it is only from that foundational place that we can actually fix our marriages and actually fix our children and actually fix the world. This is why it is so important in all of our relationship to understand there's one relationship at the cornerstone of it all. It's I once was in the miry clay and now I'm on the cornerstone the solid rock of salvation, and I didn't climb up to get here. Jesus grabbed me and placed me here. It is by grace that I've been saved and established in his family. And from that place that I'm already accepted, even with the things that God is still working out of me and working through me, that I finally have something to give people with no strings attached. You want your marriage to thrive? Quit playing that I'll do this if you do this game. Quit playing the, you know, I'm going to plan. Whether you know it or not, I'm working an angle to get what I want. No, it's saying, 
I want to give you what you need. I want to love you the way you want to be loved. I want to love my neighbor, my spouse, my children as I would want to be loved myself. And this is how we change our relationships. And friends, this is how we change the world. Hebrews chapter 9 previous chapter says, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant. That those who are called may receive the promise, listen, inter- eternal inheritance. It's more than just here and now. It's more than just your anniversary and Valentine's Day. I'm trying to get things right. No, no, no. There's something forever that's happening here. He's died as a ransom to set us free from our sins committed under the first covenant. What does that mean? This means that this covenant gives us a future of fulfillment. So I don't have to work so hard to get what I think I want now because there's a glory that far outweighs every sacrifice and surrender I have to make. This is something that lasts for forever. When you go to work two weeks later or at the beginning of the month, what are you expecting? Anybody? A paycheck. Thank you, everyone else is pro bono here. That's awesome. Good for you. You sacrifice now because you have a belief there's something coming, right? If your boss is like, eh, I don't know. You can break up those rocks and you can build that wall and we'll see when I can get to you. And you'll be like, we'll see me going somewhere else to work. <laughs> you, you make a sacrifice now because you know when you're getting something back. This is why this is so powerful for us, this eternal thing that we're building for, is that we can now live sacrificially and surrendered in our relationships, in our marriages, in our kids, with the unbelievable amount of patience it takes to be a mom or a dad. Because you are not just thinking, I just want to get them to behave. You're thinking, I want them to be everything they're called to be. I'm thinking about the long game. And if I don't get the reward in two weeks or the first of the month or when they graduate from the house and on to college or wherever they go, I've invested in something because I believe I'm into the eternal game. And you start from that place. Listen, what's the cornerstone of this new covenant? I'm already accepted. Gosh, I would love their love. I would appreciate their affection. Gosh, I could use some encouragement. I wish my spouse would come and really ask, put her arm around me and uh, put her arm around me, ask me how my day went. That would mean a lot to me. That would be a blessing. It's not good for man to be alone. Like God wanted us in companionship. But that's not my fulfillment. I already have that with him. So if they do that, that's a blessing, that's benefit. So I'm not gonna try to do something to get that response from them. From a genuine place, know that I'm already full. I'm already saturated with the love of God. Not by my works, but by the finished work of the cross, I will sacrificially love. Not to get anything out, because I believe what I'm doing, I'm investing in the forever. Because he's already enough for me. Everyone tracking. Covenant gives us a future of fulfillment. So today, we set the table to investigate covenant for yourself. The, The connection you already have, whether you knew it or not. Listen, final thought. Anywhere you are lacking in your relationships, it's because God isn't enough for you there. 
And when you begin by the Holy Spirit through the word of God, maybe in a connect group, begin to investigate why. Why haven't I received that? Why am I trading the instant gratification for the complete soul satisfaction of my relationship with God? When I start to get that figured out, then my relationships will begin to thrive, whether they act the way I want them to act or not, because I'm already complete in Christ. If you aren't in reliance of Him being your cornerstone, being where you find your validation, where you receive your first and foremost affection, that covenant connection, every other connection will be less than God's best. This is why I started a relationship that we will get practical with. I'll give you some marriage pointers and some catchphrases to use in raising your kids. But until we get the foundation fixed, the house, the life, the marriage, the relationships, your home will always have a fault line. It'll always have a tilt. It'll always be less than God's designed it to, to be because all of our relationships flow out of this priority place that a perfect God wanted you and has made an allotment, a covering, forgiveness for all of your sins. Shallow faith says, I, I trust Jesus. I'm forgiven. I go to heaven. Beautiful, wonderful, great. We're gonna have that moment in just a moment. And some of you, just like in the first service, are gonna say yes to Jesus for the first time. We love that. But this new covenant, this deeper roots in what God's already done for you and who you are in Christ already is I'm already accepted, I'm invited, I'm adopted. My seat at the table is not based upon my performance. It's based upon his perfection and his invitation. And I'm a son and a daughter of a perfect God. And I've been brought in because I'm what God cares about the most. So when we have that, what do we do in our relationships? We bring more of heaven to earth. Not for time's sake, I'm out of time. But if you want to dig deeper, there's an Old Testament passage that prophesies and proclaims about what the benefits of the new covenant are. Psalms 103. Today should be a day you read Psalms 103. Forget not the benefits, it says. And one by one, it talks about the mercy of God, the righteousness of God, the love of God invading your life, the provision of God. And he was forecasting the psalmist was this is something that we now stand in. And so I don't have to go chasing relationships because I'm already standing in covenant of a God that loves me and a God that changes me. Amen? Benefits are health and healing. You might not get it in this side of eternity, but you will have it. Deliverance from the enemy, Isaiah 53. God living on the inside of us, Hebrews 2. God's righteousness, not our own works, 2 Corinthians 5. The blessings of Abraham are still yours, says Galatians 3. Then when we follow him wholeheartedly and we live sacrificially, God pours out his favor on us. The abundance of God, 2 Corinthians 8. The glory of God, when we've had shame, he glorifies us double for whatever we walk through, Hebrews 2. Reconciliation and acceptance with the perfect God, Ephesians 1. Not only that, but the gift of the Holy Spirit that we've already received promise of things yet to come. And if you're living a life and building relationships apart from the foundation of your covenant connection with Christ, covenant connection with God, it is a broken foundation. It's time to come back to Jesus at the cornerstone. And then you will experience life in its fullness and relationships 
that thrive from that place. Mark 12, and I'm done. Jesus says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is God's doing. It's marvelous to see. It's marvelous to see. So the culture of the world, the religious control, the empire of Rome, who cares about Jesus? What was thrown out is actually what God has built everything on. The culture of the world. Sadly, sometimes even the culture in the church is that we're going to work angles and manipulate. We're going to passive aggressively try to get what we want from others. But no, that's the world system. We're not here to manipulate. We just are who we are in Christ. Have we matured in every area? Oh, no. This will take the rest of our lives. But it starts from a foundation that we are forgiven. We have a Father that loves us. We're accepted. His grace is more than enough. No one else's love can even come close to His. And from that place of saturation in my soul and my spirit, I actually have something to give those around me. And when they love me back and when they encourage me and when my kids act right, man, that's all a blessing and the favor of God at work in my life. But it starts when I fix myself to the foundation of I'm already in a covenant relationship and Christ is the cornerstone. Amen? Let me pray for you. If you're online, if you're in the room, let me pray. Father God, I thank you for every heart bit more of a complex message, a lengthy message, but God, I thank you that you're going to use it not to just stir a question or two, but to give a hunger for them to dig into your word for themselves. But I don't want to spoon feed them every God answer. I want them to taste and see that the Lord is good for themselves. That's what access we have. Jesus says you are our sacrificial lamb that that covers our sins. We are now sons and daughters of the Most High God. And from that place, we want to know you more. We want to know you more. We want to know who we are to you, how much you love us, how much you value us. And then even what you are asking of us, because if you've given us everything, then everything that we have is already yours. So our response to your gift, the response to your grace, the response to salvation is that we live our life as surrendered over to you. God, I thank you that you would rebuild marriages in this season. You'd rebuild broken relationships with fathers and sons and mothers and daughters. You'd rebuild the kids that are wayward or off, that you'd give the parents the wisdom, insight, and the grace to realign their kids and to love their kids into the place of their purpose. For friendships and dynamics that have been out of alignment, our loneliness that just maybe it permeates their life. Lord, I thank you that they would know that they're already accepted and from that place and they would actually be the kind of people that would just naturally draw others as they live their life to serve others. Lord, I think we're coming to the end of I'm gonna do something to get something. We're gonna live from a place of Christ as a cornerstone, this covenant connection that you've already done everything and from there we live and from there we love and from there we build relationships. And Lord, I thank you. You're healing hearts and renewing minds by your Holy Spirit and by the Word of God at work in our life. That the relationships of Kingdom City Church, every church family member, every guest in the house, everyone watching at Lansing, everyone watching online would begin to thrive and prosper when we know the value that we've already received has been placed on us by God, you giving your son for us. And from that place, we're going to live and love well. And our life and relationships prosper and be in good health as our soul prospers. Thank you, God, we're going to do in this season. I believe marriages headed towards divorce are turning to be testimonies of the goodness of God. I thank you fractures in families are going to be healed by the grace of God. I think your loneliness is gone 
and fulfillment is here by the grace of God. Stay in this moment of prayer if you're here and you're far from God. Maybe God's been tugging at your heart. Maybe you've even prayed a prayer before, but he's not the foundation of your life. Today's the day you settle that once and for all, that you're gonna receive the gift of Jesus and put him at the centerpiece, the cornerstone of your life. It's only from that place that life really works. It's only that you were made for that to be the foundation. You cannot get to your God-intended future without that starting point. So if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe you have, but you know you've gone off and you need to come back home and put him first, you need to begin again a new relationship with him as a primary relationship in your life. If that's you with no one looking around, I'm not gonna make you stand up. I'm not gonna call you out. But I want you to have one little act of surrender, one little act of humility that represents your heart surrendering to God so that you can receive his grace. We're gonna pray a prayer together as one big family of faith. But we wanna pray this prayer. Just say, Kyle, today's my day of new beginnings. For the first time, or I'm coming back home to him first in my life. I want this gift of covenant. I want this gift of salvation. I wanna be forgiven and I want Jesus to be first. If that's you and you're ready for a new relationship with Christ, can you just raise your hand? No one looking around. There's one, there's two, there's three. Front row to the back row, I love it. Four of you. One last moment, anybody else? Let us know online if that's you or at Lansing. That's awesome. For those in the room, maybe those watching, why don't we lift up our head, open our eyes. In fact, why don't we stand to our feet? I appreciate your patience. This was a lengthy message today, but we got through it in one week. Here's a special moment of surrender, right? Are we excited about this moment? This is where everything changes for those that say, God, I need you to change me. Can we pray all together? One family here. Say it loud. Say it with excitement. Say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. For loving me. For loving me. I was far from you. I was far from you. Separated by sin. Separated by sin. But you said the Savior. But you said the Savior. Jesus is the Son of God. He died in my place. He paid for my sins. I am forgiven. I am set free. My past is behind me. Jesus, you're my future. I'm going after you. You're first in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. From this moment on, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And a church celebrates the goodness of God. We're very, very proud of you. God bless you.